Welcome, everybody, to the Yo Kid Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Gargano. This is the podcast that surrounds everything youth sports. So I've covered pro and college sports at the highest level, and I have fallen in love with youth sports. I'm a big believer in sports for children. I, I just think it's a it's such a great at, uh, great outlet and keeps them out of trouble. Keeps them they learn so many great life lessons. So as we go forward with the podcast, we're going to be talking to a lot of different people in the world of youth sports. We'll talk to some professional athletes who have children of themselves. We'll talk about the journey of the athlete. We'll highlight some of the terrific youth uh, sports athletes across the Delaware Valley and beyond. Uh, but really, we really want to try to give some advice to the parents. Listen, if you got a good story, good idea, please, like I said, hit me up and we'll get to Yo Kids Sports Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Yo Kids Sports, our podcast. I'm very excited tonight because uh, Phillies fans will know all of Major League Baseball will know our next guest. He is uh, baseball lineage. He's one of the greatest. Tom Flash Gordon is our guest, and, and Flash is now working with Perfect Game. Good uh, good evening, Flash. Good to see you, buddy. You look great. Well, man, I you know, I try. I get to move around a good bit with these youngsters, so I just try to make sure that, uh, number one, I can keep up. Number two, there's times where I can throw and I can have some fun with them, and they give me an opportunity to, you know, still feel like I can pitch a baseball and stay healthy. But it's a blessing being able to see these young kids and their talents. But thank you so much for having me on the show. No, I, I, love, I love the fact that you have this passion for youth sports. And basically, that I mean, that's what this podcast is about, which is to kind of guide parents, talk about it. And you have this, you know, not only were you a great major league pitcher, you two sons played. I mean, you've been sports dad, big leaguer. I mean, you've done it all. And now you're helping the next generation. Yeah, and that, I, I tell you, it's it feels so good because you're in a space with kids that you want to see do very well. Uh, there's no greater stage for amateur baseball than the perfect game stage that we set for these young young men to get out there and play, and young women. Uh, we do softball, too, at the same time. They, they get an opportunity to play the game that they love, and then usually we'll have ex-major league guys somewhere close to them to give them some type of uh, – uh, in, information or if they need a little instruction or sometimes even a little development. You know, it's it's been a a, a uh, great organization to be in because my son, Nicholas, started in it. He played a little bit in it. However, that's all they talked about is that, you know, they'll appreciate the competition. And I think that's what's so good about PG is the competition there, the stage is there. And and who, who doesn't want to play in front of all the scouts in baseball so you can finally be drafted, you know? That's right. That's right. And don't forget, our Yo Kids Sports Podcast is presented by Primo Hoagies. Listen, know what I've always said for years and years and years. It's not just a hoagie. It's a Primo. And uh, this fall, whether you're tailgating, football, soccer, it's youth, you name it, make sure... You got your Primo Hoagie party tray. Nothing like it for the big game. And speaking of football and the big game, this fall we're giving away a trip to Vegas to see the very big game to one very lucky, very deserving coach. So if you know a youth coach that you think deserves recognition for their outstanding dedication and passion, 
Make your nominations today. Primohogies.com. You can go directly mvc.primohogies.com. Our most valuable coach promotion here at Primo's. I love it. We, we got to shine some love. Give some love to these youth coaches that spend their time, many of whom uh, just get an earful and <laughs> no compensation. So they're the best. Nominate your favorite coach. Again, it's the uh, Primo Hoagies most valuable coach contest. I love it. I think it's great. And who knows? Maybe they'll get to see uh, the birds at the big game. Wouldn't that be something? It's great because, you know, PG does uh, tournaments all ages. In fact, I was just at an 11U tournament in uh, South Jersey uh, this past weekend. My Mosmo played in the perfect game tournament. And it, it was great. Like, you know, I mean, just the kids everywhere and it was the atmosphere. It just feels like ball, you know, it's just great about it. And it does. That's the key is it's almost like coming together for a big, great, big family reunion. You know, the kids, they know each other, but some of them don't see each other all year long. And then they're so elated about that tournament that they're actually being in with some guys that they've known, they faced and played against. And, and they all, they're learning that the competition level at a travel at a perfect game event is, nothing compares to it. So you, you, if you're the best player and you believe you can play, you can get out there and showcase your talents in front of so many thousands of people on these events. I mean, we're, we're, we're doing a really good job and I'm, I'm grateful. First of all, I'm very grateful that I get an opportunity to work alongside Rick Thurman, my agent for a long time, but also to Rob Ponder, these, these guys, these people that make a difference in the youth sports arena with Greg, who's always been, uh, instrumental to me. We've, we started a relationship my first year or so, maybe first month in, in Philadelphia, but look where the, the, um, you know, the relationship have gone. And I think baseball is just definitely a, uh, huge, as you want to call it, family reunion for a lot of players, an ex players like myself. You know, what's funny is that it's, it, this is so different. I mean, you know, especially when you were growing up, even to when, you know, your kids, especially D you know, a lot of the stuff that's going on now with what Perfect Game game does and some of the tournaments, I mean, that didn't exist back when you were coming up. Absolutely. I, I, I think if there were something more like this in the game, I could tell you we'd probably be a lot better baseball players. But, hey, you know, back in the 70s, 80s, 60s, whatever you call it, I wasn't back in the 60s, but <laughs> the 80s and 90s, you know, that was some, you know, heck of a baseball uh, you take a guy like Brett Saberhagen, one of the youngest talents to win a Cy Young in 85, and I think he was 20. So, I mean, you look at that. I played with George Bretts and the likes of him and, and some of the greatest players to ever play in Kansas City, but one of the greatest athletes to ever play with Bo Jackson. So it's just been such a remarkable journey for, for, for me. And uh, to get an opportunity to work alongside some of the guys with Sirius XM Radio, did some stuff with ESPN a little bit and some Fox stuff. You know, it's just, it's been good. So it gives me an opportunity to kind of go back to from being around these actual media uh, moguls and say, hey, you know, youngsters, this is what they're looking for. When I get a chance to be around, you know, top scouts and general managers and player development guys, they they let you know right away. If they feel like you have a chance of being able to get word out there, but also develop some young minds and some young talent. They give me a lot of information to help, and that's been really key for me. What what drew you to the amateur level and to the youth level in particular? Well, my son Nicholas was playing at the age of eight, 
started with perfect game around the age of eight. And, and it's, of course, he was playing with the Chet Lemon Juice. Good organization, you know, Chet, Detroit, great player. Sure. Uh, but then he had this this team that he started up in Houston, Houston, Houston Florida, uh, and just a, a team that was known in the country for being a very good, solid baseball team around. Very good manager, guy that knew the game very well. And so there were times where we, you know, Nichols would see kids from different states come down and try and make that team because it was just so prominent in travel baseball. Uh, so what I did was after once Nicholas turned 11 or 12, that's when I started my own Florida Flash baseball program. Uh, we got up to rank sixth in the, in the country or in the world and, and, and was doing a great job. I mean, we had the likes of, you know, my son Nicholas as a shortstop, Brandon Rogers, Colorado Rockies as a wow. third baseman. Uh, Deacon Lippitt was one, the catcher for, the, and he plays now second base for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Juan Hillman, a great pitcher with the uh, Cleveland Indians. Tristan McKenzie with Cleveland Indians. Um, we had Nick Longy, who was with the Boston Red Sox for a mighty long time. Um, and we had a host and a host of players. Like I said, I think I mentioned Keyshawn Lynch, but and Keyshawn played with Arizona Diamondbacks. But what a host of players that made that organization and that team for us so much. Uh, gave us so much, you know, um, you know, proud proudness of it, but also too just excitement to know that we were playing. And uh, teams are starting to take notice of the really good baseball that we had, baseball team that we were actually developing. Can you tell at, at that age, you know, not that they're going to make the show, but that there is something special, something elite about a kid at that age? I mean, it's even before they go through puberty. Yeah, well, I tell you, in every case, especially when you're dealing with sports, usually there's that best player, best three, four, five players. And those guys stick out. They stick out. I mean, you find them in, anywhere you go, you find them. I think the one common thing today is that, you know, there's so many guys that aren't drafted in the first, second round that goes into Major League Baseball, even the NFL and maybe even the NBA, that that third, fourth through seventh guy, that third, fourth through 25th guy like it is in Major League Baseball, that guy's hungry to show that you missed him as a baseball player. So, and I love that because I was drafted sixth by the Kansas City Royals in 1986. And, um, there were a few guys in front of me, but I actually thought those guys played their positions well. I just thought that I was a much better pitcher. So the, the competition just makes you feel better. It also gives you that opportunity to work along some guys that would challenge you to become a better player. With this, the same setup in regards to travel ball is that's what we're trying to do is give kids the platform to play, uh, evaluate them at the best uh, intent in regards to making sure that they get and understand the rankings. And then from there, when they st step on the stage and they're playing against some of the best talent, it's not just one at bat that you have or one batter that you face. We, we over the long haul, would like to see players play full games, get four at bats, five at bats, whatever the case may be. But we want to see how they play in 40, 50, 60 games. So we really uh, evaluate, we scout, and we think about this kid or these kids when they're coming up and how well they played against certain talent and how well they fared against those guys. So the ranking just helped them give an op give us an idea, but also to give us a platform to have for major league ball clubs on any talent that is coming through perfect game. That you can actually track from these young ages. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, what's pretty cool about it is that, you know, this database is so vast that it does kids don't get lost, you know, it's a big country and a lot of kids play ball. And the beauty of what you're talking about is that 
it does give attention and it gives kids that opportunity to be tracked. Totally agree. I mean, like I said, I, I had gone to when Nicholas was maybe 10 or 11 to a couple of perfect game showcases and, and tournaments and all of that. And I saw how much better the play was and how much more faster the kids were a little yeah. bit stronger. And I wanted him to adjust to that. And, that, and, and with Nicholas, he did those, those things. I mean, he was around, like I said, the juice and he was around coach Jared Goodwin who coached with FTB uh, guys that knew the game of baseball that helped develop his mind to become a much better baseball player. When I got him home, I tried to make him a better young man at the house, take care of his grades, make sure he can check on his little sister when he gets home. He needs to make sure she made it home off the bus. Things in that regard that I kept him responsible with. His baseball, you know, every time he touched the field, he was ready to play. I just wanted to make sure that he stayed on that even keel when it came to his chores and his grades. You, what's, let's look, let's talk about development, right? And, you know, travel ball and you're talking about kids, let's start at 10. You know, what's the best route for them, right? Like, I, I just had a coach we were just talking about it and he said, listen, he goes, games are great, but, you know, working and work and practice and all those nuances that help you, you know, when you play the game, like, you know, that, like, for, especially for development, he said, one of the problems that we have is that we, the kids don't play, they don't practice enough that they either play games and they don't practice. I, I'm just curious, you know, when you, if you have, if you're a parent of a 10 year old, what, what's the right you know, way to bring him along? Well, I, you know, listen, I think the most important thing you figure out is how strong the kid is. You know, that has to be one thing. And then how mental and his toughness in regards to if he can play six months, eight months. You want to know these things because as the age, he'll, of course, as long as he loved the, the game more, he would actually increase the, the amount of time that he does play. So we want to figure out how strong that kid is. For my motto, it's yeah. arm strength as a pitching coach, arm speed, and arm action. If I could find those two things and I continue to see you develop anywhere from three to six months, every time you get a little harder, your pitches are a little bit firmer, your breaking ball is a little bit more precise with depth into its uh, rotation out of your hands for a curveball or slider, and then your changeup has that depth and rotation, rotational speed to back up. I mean, these are things that it's, you know, it sounds pretty easy, but if you're at 9, 10, 11, 12 year old and you're already starting to develop a changeup, it's probably going to help you to be successful down the line. So we try as much as we can to develop the kids when they get to us. When we have a showcase, we try to bring kids off the field to come work one-on-one -on -one with ex-Major League Baseball player. And there's times where we can have two or three pitchers, three or four catchers, two or three shortstops, infield, outfield. I mean, and, it, and the greatest thing, I think, with PG that I love the most is that PG – have that time to say, hey, there's a development side of us that we're willing to give the kids, not just a showcase. Because sometimes in a showcase, you know, you play, you know, you come in there with a better team and you only get three pool play games and you only have, you get six at bat, those three pool play games, but you didn't play that well. Scouts know that you, they've seen you hit better. But when they also now come to one of our events and they see the kids are getting that time in with the big league guy, he's talking on the side about hitting getting in front of that ball, not hitting around it, getting your fastball. And when I talk to kids, I want to see kids fall down that hill with a, uh, some, some power from the backside, stay over the rubber, keep their arms slide up. Uh, and I never change their arm slot, but whatever makes them happy and, and they feel comfortable with that and they can get out, then fine. But however, if you want more information, then we're there to help you develop that 
And, and, it, and, some, and most times it works. I'd probably say 70, 70, 80% of the times what we're trying to give kids when we just have a showcase or some development time, it works for them. So we basically want to help the kid better himself with what he's already doing, just help him enhance that. You've been a great pitcher. Let, let's talk arm. Let's talk, what's the appropriate age where a kid should be throwing breaking stuff that, you know, they should be, they should be able to throw? Because I, I won't allow my kid to do it yet. I mean, he's 10. So what That's age perfect. do you think would, would, would be appropriate? Well, I, I, I tell you, I think probably for me, I would actually say around that age of 12, I want him to start spinning some balls because once he leaves that 50 foot, 55, and he goes to that 60 feet, six inches, you know, and his fastball may not be as firm, but he does still have some off-speed pitches. And, and, and off-speed pitch is the same as a fastball in regards to being able to help your arm develop. If you throw it right, it can help you with arm speed. It can help you with arm action. It can help you with... Um, you know, being able to repeat that arm slot, but also repeat that delivery where you can get the most out of your pitches. So there's been so many times where I'm in a game and I think, you know, hey, I'm ball one, ball two. I'm in a live major league game, ball one, ball two. And then I'm like, well, this guy, if I throw this next fastball, ball one, ball two, he's probably going to hit it to the moon. But then I <laughs> throw a break in there, you know, and, and he takes and he looks at me. So you want to start teaching them anywhere from between the 12, the ages of 12 to 14, 13, 14, to give them an opportunity to learn it right. Um, when guys, when kids are throwing and then, then they're not really utilizing the C-grip, thumb up on that pitch, get your arm slot as high as you can. They start trying to trick guys. They start dropping their arm slot. That's when we run into problems. So, you know, a healthy arm is a three-quarter high to a three-quarter arm slot that kind of keeps you in position to always have your arm slot coming downhill. That way it's protecting itself, but it's also taking stress off. What, what do you believe as far as, you know, pitch counts, how often, you know, kids at 10, 11, 12 should be throwing? Like, what, what's, what, what do you think is optimum from your standpoint? Well, I, I take it like this. I have a program for eight-year-olds to 10-year-olds. And from 10-year-olds that I think that are ready to advance can play 11 to 12 with the arm speed for 11 to 12, with the agility to 11 to 12, with the power in the swing 11 to 12, can throw the ball from the outfield uh, with something on it. He's ready to move up. Then I will, I will of course, give him a few more breaking balls than a kid that's 10. So 11 to 12-year-old that can actually use it. And, uh, you know, and there's been times where I've said you're not throwing a curveball at all in this game. I just want you to go fastball and change it. But then there's times where I give a hitter, give a pitcher one curveball per hitter. And that has worked. But I got to still see him in touching field sessions on the side, working in the bullpen, sure. uh, making sure that he's doing some things right to lead up to that. Uh, just giving them the ball and say, hey, just throw your slurve or your, your curveball. And I think without any work or someone supervising that, then there's a chance for injury. It, it's funny because, you know, it's so different now when it comes to pitch counts. I mean, geez, in the bigs, when you when you played and you were an incredible reliever, closer, when, you know, starters, I mean, you know, you're throwing 140 pitches. I mean, you know, the guy's throwing more than that now. It's changed. And at the youth level, is it, you know, 60 pitches? Is it, you know, twice a week? You know, is it three times a week? How, how do you, what do you, what do you think as far as just the sheer number of pitches? 
Well, I've been lucky enough to uh, have known one of the best orthopedic surgeons in the world. Well, actually two of them. Uh, the first time I met Dr. Lou Yoakum out in California uh, was one of the best people, uh, greatest minds. And he talked me about my 12 month rehab after Tommy John surgery and what I would start to feel and how it would get better. Uh, and, and he did. He said, Flash, this may never, never snap again on you. So when you get to feeling like you want, you let it go. You start back pitching and get back into a routine. Um, and even with Dr. Andrews, well, then Dr. Andrews watching a lot of Little League games and Little League World Series. And I think he and I was actually, and a lot of guys we knew were watching that same game where a kid threw, I want to say it was either 11 or 13 straight curveballs. And um, they were they were all balls. I mean, so yeah. there was nothing good about his mechanics there. He was losing his feel for throwing his breaking ball. Not only was he losing his feel, he was losing confidence in that breaking ball. And then now he's subject to, you know, hey, just one bad pitch because he's trying now to trick hitters can cause him to have an injury. I think you get back to a point where you're established some boundaries with the fastball. You want to be a 65%, 60 to 65% more of a fastball type of pitcher because you can still throw a sinker and that's a good fastball uh, about a 20 to 28% 20 curveballs, uh, And then 20, 15 to 20% changeups. And I think that balance is a fair enough balance for any age in regards to starting at around 12 on up to 17. I, I have with some of my teams, have had little left-handers that they throw a lot of curveballs. So I just say, hey, your fastball is good enough. Sneak the, sneak the cheese by the rat, throw your fastball here and there, and then mix your breaking ball in and get a ground ball. So, But I've never let a kid throw four and five breaking balls in a row. I love it. Sneak the cheese past the rat, baby. That's, that's, that's what it. you're supposed to do, man. That's it. So I keep the pitch counts down. Uh, if you pitch three innings, I'm looking at anywhere from between 35 and 40 pitches. I will occasionally depend on the strength of the kid, go up to 50. Uh, from the ages of 13 to 16, now I would, I would like to see a kid throw in a live game session or a bullpen session somewhere between bullpen 50 to 60 pitches just to kind of get the monotony back in the field back. Yeah. Also, too, the more throws you have, the better you pitch. The more throws with good the, the, uh, mechanics, the harder you can throw because your mechanics starting to clean up. Uh, so I try to give those kids at that age anywhere between three innings to five innings, and he's at about 65, 70 pitches, depending on the kid's size and strength. Um, never trying to work to 100 pitches if I don't have to. But I also think the endurance part of that, if you are strong enough to get to 100 pitches, in today's high school game, that's seven. You shouldn't have to get to 100 pitches. should be around 90, a little bit over that. Uh, but in the nine-inning game, you're looking at somewhere between 110 and 120. And that still is not a bad number for a, a, a nine-inning game. If you strike out seven, yeah, if you strike out seven, that's guaranteed right there. Just strike out seven with three pitches. That's 21 pitches. I mean, I mean, you, you, you're looking at it that way, but that just not does not happen in the realistic world. So, you know, mixing all of your pitches, getting ahead, those are keys to having short innings, one pitch ground ball, two pitch pop-ups, being able to mix your pitches until you're late in the game, and then you can actually pitch later on in the game, and then pitch backwards. Don't pitch in the same patterns you were as you started the game. 
But what's some of the workouts that you, especially for pitchers, that you would recommend? You know, I always have my kid throwing the towel, you know, just just so he is in the mirror, looking at the towel, you know, just whipping it, kind of just so he could see where it's where it's going to end up between his legs. I mean, what do you what do you recommend? I tell you, for that drill that you're just talking about, I I do the same thing. I like for the kid to have the towel drill because first for me, I want to see, I want the kid to see or the player to see he has enough wrist speed so he can pop that thing at the end. But also I want him to have some drag. Yeah. If he has drag and then he picks up a baseball, it feels like he whips it a little bit easier through the zone. So it gives him that best chance to figure out, wow, if I'm throwing the top ball, throwing a towel, using the towel drill, and this is the right mechanics, but it feels like I'm not getting through it. You just keep doing the right mechanics, repeating that finish and repeating that follow through. Then you pick up a baseball and it becomes a little bit easier. It becomes I can finish, but I can also finish with hand, fingers down, ball comes off and it gets life at the end. Towel drill is a huge drill for me. Uh, I do it with all my players and all the kids that I work with. Uh, the, new, the, the, the drill I do also for kids anywhere between the ages of eight and 12 is a double tap cross leg drill. So as you're on the rubber, uh, you want to pick up your lead leg, cross your back leg, just to keep your hips on the back side, keep your, stay behind the rubber a little bit more, and two taps. Why I go to two taps is because I believe the two taps gives you the best chance of being able to stay back. And I want you to leave with that lead, that, that, that hip, that lead hip to the catcher. Because one tap, you're already starting to go. Sometimes you can drift with that. But if you do it twice, Go back down again, you come back up. Now we're in a position to go home. And then lastly, my last drill is basically you're in the stretch. You lift. And I want you to hold for 1,001, 1,002. You look at me. I want you to look at me in the eye. Hand me the baseball. I take the baseball out of your hand, give it back to you. And you're still balanced. You still have that front leg as high as you can lift it. And then you turn and throw. That drill, I want kids to visualize that they don't have to have all these wind-ups, have right. all these other things. You can clean some of that up and make your wind-up better. You'll have more better command. You'll also be in more games because you can get outs and strikes quick. And it gives you an opportunity to watch and see how it feels when you are slowed down and then you speed up. It doesn't take a lot to take your eye off something, lose your focus. But if you can actually start thinking about, I got to give this ball. I just took my focus off my, my mitt where I'm throwing. Pick that ball back up from the pitcher's hand, coach's hand, turn and look, get the feel, and then throw. You still have the same velocity. That's brilliant. And by the way, especially now with a pitch clock, right? Like that, that even helps with something like that because – it just it forces you to kind of be really streamlined. Well, and I, and I think kids today, I think for the most part, when you're in the when you're in the stretch, you come to the stretch, you come set, you lift your leg, you're still out of the. I mean, you come through the windup, you're still out of the stretch. Yeah. I mean, so now I like to see more kids in the stretch because it yeah. gives them a better chance of finding that leg lift, finding that balance point, finding that hand slot. Whether your hands you like to break in the middle of your stomach, toward chest, or right at the belt, but if you stay in the stretch for a while and you work more on the stretch in this, on a side session or a touch and feel session, you'll feel much better. The first thing young kids think is they're throwing softer because they're in the stretch. 
Right. So you got to manipulate the mind a little bit. You're actually throwing a little bit better, and you got more quality of pitches that'll get hitters out. Yeah, and it also helps you replicate, and it, it all, it's great for young pitchers too because that that forces them to replicate exactly what they're doing every time, which is you know you know the hallmark to pitching. Oh, and that's it. Hallmark is the pitching. You got pitching in defense, you win ball games. Actually, mm -hmm. you win World Series. And you know, pitching is one of the most vital things in the game because. The player that has the baseball in his hands usually get to help make the decision. So that's why the pitcher and the catcher has the most important positions in baseball. Not only do they call the signs, they have an idea of what they want to do to get a person out or player out, and they have a really good approach to what it has, what has gotten that hitter out for a long time. So they have more information than anybody on the field, and that's why I like for my shortstop and second baseman to look in for the sign. They give a, they get a lot of information from just looking in from the sign or get picking up the signs. How do you build arm strength, right? Like, you know, I do long tossing and I'll make sure I'll, I'll try to build some of his arm that way. I mean, is that correct? What, how do you, how would you build arm strength? Well, with that towel, number one, that is definitely a way to start building arm strength because, and you probably, with your son could get him up to just a few more throws on that towel drill. Because what happens is he will get tired a little bit and it'll start to feel like some fatigue, but that's where the endurance portion of it is coming in because with the baseball, you know, he lets the baseball go right away. He don't feel that same fatigueness, but with the towel, once he released the towel, he's still holding on to something and you feel it throughout your entire arm. So you increase a couple more throws with that towel drill go back to a good crow hop, squaring up the shoulders to where you're going, making sure that you get that front side turned in and then deliver that ball like you're throwing it from the hip. Almost like you're releasing that ball from the hip like a third baseman to keep a good arm slot. But also, too, there's times where I want you to check up and I want you to start in this position. Hands down, the hand rotates the ball up. The best pitch I've ever seen in all of Major League Baseball, and I do believe someday, he will be a Hall of Famer if he's not already in there. And that's Billy Wagner. He was the yeah. only guy I'd ever played with that could have the stab. He could take the ball out of his glove and go straight back and throw at 115 miles an hour. Yeah. I tried doing that and couldn't throw at 85, you know? But there's some guys with different types of ability that can make things like that work. But you can't teach everybody that. So we want to teach, you know, get in a safe position with your hands, whether it's up around your chest, your belly, or at your belt buckle. And then once you break those hands, the, the hand carries the arm up. That's learned in scout school. If your hand carries the arm up, you're in the safest bet for a pitch that you can deliver and repeat. When you start stabbing and all over the place, it takes too much for your hand to turn over. As you can see that now my hand has to turn over to be all ready. Right. Now you're putting more stress on the shoulder. And then when you get in this position now, that's 10 times more stress on the elbow because it really didn't do anything but go from here to here. You need to stretch right. it and stretch it and lengthen it. And then it becomes much easier for you to be able to, like I said, get stronger. You're developing strength. Your long toss is right with the crow hop. You crow hop with two, three steps, crow hop with four steps. But make sure you cross those legs, cross those boundaries with your shoulders staying parallel to the target and get a light throw that you can see where that ball seems to have come off the bill of your cap or uh, pretty much just a little bit higher than that, and you can see the rotation and spin off of it. Uh, I don't, I, I, you know, I see a lot of kids that wants to throw a ball 
from the ages of 10, 11, 12 at 160, 170 feet, balls bouncing, uh, going over the other the catcher's head, whatever the case may be. And to me, that just that just doesn't do him any good. I'd rather see a kid throw that ball on the line and try to get that ball through the catcher, the person that's playing catch with him, or have a little bit of air on it. And it seems like he can hear it come off his fingertips like, and now he could tell that backspin is being, being utilized. Welcome to Primo. How can we help you today? One old fashioned meatball and make it quick because I got practice. You got it, coach. Congratulations, coach. You've been nominated by your team to win two tickets to the big game. Wait, nominated? So I didn't win? Smile. Not yet, coach. Most valuable. Not yet. Smile. Not yet. Smile. Smile. Smile for the couch, coach. You got to be kidding me. Smile, coach. It's almost like, especially for that age, slot is like everything. Because they, it's funny you said about earlier about dropping your arm, because I see it all the time from kids that they, for some reason, they'll they'll drop their arms much as long as they keep it over up top and and repeat so repeat rinse all the time, right? It's got to yeah. be the same way every time. I think that's a big problem. That's that's something that those kids need to kind of work through. Yeah, I, and I think sometimes that's just having the extra work offered or asked. Like, you know, parents come home, they may not be high school coaches or coaches at all, but they're still asking, hey, do you have any drills that you need to do? These are right. drills that you can do in your bedroom if you have a towel. You know, you can stand in the mirror and watch yourself. The great Nolan Ryan said to me, he said, son, you want to be a much better pitcher? You want to figure yourself out faster? Look in the mirror and see what your arm's doing, what your legs are doing, and how you can get in the best fast position you can with thumb down, getting the arm up, and getting in the best easiest um, slot where your hand, the ball comes out of your hand well enough that way then it doesn't feel like you're throwing a baseball. It just feels like you're just taking a sling, slinging a rock out of your hand. And I thought that made a lot of sense to me, so I tried doing most of that. And it seemed to work for me. I was able to play for a long time. Yeah, no, it definitely worked for you. What, what do you advise um, as far as kids when it comes to playing other sports? Like, you know, you're a sports dad too. Like, you know, how, you know, you have to worry about burnout for a lot of kids. I mean, what's what's the right amount of baseball? I mean, it's, it's I know it's unique to each kid, but is there such a thing as – you know, too much, too much wear and tear, or is it better to play some other sports? Where, 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 are you at? where do you stand there? Well, I, I stand in the same um, as I've always has in regards to, I think, if a kid can play football, he's going to get a different muscle, muscle groups work, that helps. Uh, even it helps and enhances you to be a little bit stronger for baseball. He plays basketball. He's going to use his hands and feet that much more. Shuffling back and forth, sliding back and forth, jumping and trying to block shots, making jump shot. It's just you're using other muscles that you may not use in baseball. Now, with the game today, it's hard, kind of hard for you to be on a travel league basketball team or play football if you're one of those top prospects like you want because most college and professional scouts are expecting you to be on the field. Yep. And that's where it turns around to be a, a, a you know, annual year long grind about baseball. And, and if your head's there and you're old enough to handle it and you're mature enough to actually accept it, parents understand, then, yeah, 
But I've always felt like if a kid plays other sports, it was only going to enhance it for baseball. It would give him that time to be, you know, away from the game a little bit. So it makes him hungry when it's time for him to come back. At what age do you think the event's special? You go like, all right, the kids are, the kids are baseball. Right? Like you could see it. At yeah. what age do you say, all right, listen, put the basketball down, put the football down? Well, for me, I try to, I try not to take the basketball, football from anybody. I just think that if some kids are passionate about something, and uh, you decide to kind of like we, as you know, coaches or people say, you're so good at baseball, you shouldn't play them on baseball. I, I think if that's going to happen, it's probably around his senior year, maybe junior, depending on because that happened with Nick, my son Nicholas. Oh, wow. he was. Yeah, he was playing very good, and he was actually going to possibly play football at Olympia High School on an 8A larger high school football team. So he was going to play wide receiver. And I was like, you know, you got a chance to go in the draft, whether it be starting pitching or hitting. But he found a way to say, Dad, I'm ready, I'm ready to play baseball year out, year in and year out. And I said, well, if that's the case, I won't tell you to go play. I just, I'm just saying I think it would help with strength and conditioning and give you that much more. It'll even make you hungrier. I mean, every major leaguer get four months off. Right. You get right. November, December. Well, actually, October, most of October, some of October. October, November, December, some of Jan most of January. So you get about four to four and a half months off of baseball. The only thing you're doing is working out. But there's nothing in that workout that gives you the same speed on game speed as what you would get in a regular major league spring training or game. So a lot of times you working at high schools or getting ready at colleges and you may get a few at-bats here and there, but it gets you ready, but it just doesn't have you game ready. So you need that speed. And when you, of course, can get that speed back, it's right in spring training. It takes a little while. What's it like for you? I mean, you know, as a dad, like here you were, you had a, an incredible career, and now you have these two sons. You know, you, you have Dee and Nick, and did, did you knew did you know that they were you know did they love the game like what was it like for you as dad you know coaching them and, and bringing them along and giving them tips and the whole thing what was that whole experience like well I, I tell you you know d was was a kid that uh probably one of the best athletes i'd ever seen i mean just can flat out do so many things with his hands and feet you know, he could do karate. He could play football. He could jump. He could dunk with boots on at five foot nine and a half. Oh, he could shoot. You give him 10 three pointers, he'd make all 10. Uh, he could break the break the press on the basketball. He he could do literally almost anything he wanted to do on the basketball court. And wow. people could fuck with him, even some of the taller players. And uh, but you know, of course, with, with colleges, they would prefer to have a guy six two, six three as a point guard bringing the ball down and here he is at five ten, So that was a struggle for him. And then, then, you know, eventually I just said, you know, you never really wanted to try baseball, but once you just go out there and see what it's like. And if they call you back next year to make that basketball team as a point guard, then you'll be here already at the school. You're ready to go. But uh, D was just a tremendous athlete. I mean, it was not a whole lot of work uh, for him. And we spent a lot of time on the back of the house. We had a tennis court back at the house and we spent a lot of time, um, you know, him taking ground balls. He did not want to stop taking ground balls because he felt like he had missed, you know, not playing at seven, not playing at eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. He didn't play until he got into his junior season. Wow. So, yeah. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. 
to play. Yeah, it is. To be a big leaguer and not play till his junior year. Wow. Then you see, yeah, yeah, That's amazing. Just got, as a matter of fact, he got only a couple of bats that year. And I remember hearing my high school coach say, "Hey, man, this this young man, I, I don't think you'll ever have to worry about him getting a base hit or just getting on base." So the entire time D was in Major League Baseball or professional baseball, I never went to bed one night thinking he was 0 for 4. Not one night. I always felt like because I could, I knew the way he played. He could all he bunts so well. He handles the bats well. He runs well. He could manipulate the zone with his speed. It was just so many things he could do. And that just told me that he was a major leaguer right off the bat. Because once I start seeing him doing it in 11th grade, which I had never seen him do any baseball until that time in his senior season, oh, it was it was lights out. He was doing stuff like kids should be ready for the draft. And that's why I ended up getting drafted. With, that's uh, Yeah, oh, it was something to watch. Something to watch, man. He, he, could, he could come down court and I say, you know, we had a little sign that's Give me a three. He shoots three. Give me a three left-handed. He shoots three left-handed. He could change hands with a you know three pointers. Oh, he could do it all. Yeah, he was that type of talent. Did you coach him? I didn't. I, I sat back and watched the basketball. Uh, Nicholas, on the other hand, was more driven, like a baseball player. You know, he came out with that good pure swing. He came out with always with that always in the right place defensively. for where he wanted to go, uh, if he could see the guy's bat path. He could see if the guy's late on the pitch. He could see if the guy's trying to pull. He just had baseball instincts. So he played that way uh, with a hell of a good arm, an arm that from across the diamond in the deep in the hole, he could throw a 95 across the mound. Um, hitting, I knew he was going to build into his power because he's six feet right at probably six one. But right now, he's still trying to find that. And Either way, he still has a lot of tools. He's a toolsy player with the ability and the smarts. He is one of the smartest young men I know. He just has to put all the entire package together, and I think he'll find his way. And that may be this offseason. I, I I think, you know, I was talking to him just a couple of days. I said, son, I think it may be the time for you to have a new, you know, residence because you're kind of getting a little, you know, stagnant there with the Twins, and they love you. But yeah. however, I think there's 29 other teams to play for, so – Try to go out there and just get ready for somebody else. If they make you an offer and you can accept it, you go play with them for another team. I keep waiting. It's funny because I watched him and like I, you know, he's going to hit for more power. Like you, you could, you could see the way the ball will jump off his bat. Like you could see that at some point soon, that power is going to come. Yeah, and he shows so many flashes of that. Yeah, uh, you know, um, he's shown that he's a guy that can handle the bat. I would have liked to see in the last couple of years, Nicholas fake bunt a little bit more because he oh. still had the wheels to get to first base right. on a bunt that wasn't fielded perfectly. So he's kind of gotten away from that. He's gotten a little bit away from stealing bases, something I think will eventually come back into the game. So I'm hopeful that all those things he does really well in the game. He's very smart. He knows how to try and set a pitcher up, um, get a pitch he thinks he needs that he can handle. He has a pretty good idea of all those things. And uh, he plays pretty instinctively. So I, I hope that at some point, either this year, Twins are in the playoffs now, so we'll see what happens. But if not next year, he get an opportunity to be a starter on somebody's team. What's it like being dad? Like, do you still have that, you know, when they were when they were little boys or and they're playing whatever sport and you're nervous? It's, it's almost like 
you want you're you're more helpless for them because yeah. you want them to succeed more, <laughs> right? I agree. I, I man, I'm there. I know because I I tell them every night they call. You know, they call home, and I say, guys, I'm listening. I mean, I'm up. I'm tired, but I played 18 innings today. And that's how they perceived me. I was like, every every time you get the bat, I'm jumping like, why didn't you swing? Yeah, yes. you got to make that throw. You know, I'm 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 with them on every single thing that's happening. And then when they come up to like, David come up to the mound because he's playing shortstop to kind of talk to the catcher and the pitcher about signs. I can read his lips every time. And it was just certain things I knew. Also, too, being in that atmosphere for a long time, I had a pretty good feel for. It's just it, it just it's it's an awesome feat. It's a wonderful thing for a parent to come to the ball field every day or any ball field, not just the major league field, any field, little league field, senior league, uh, all-star games, and to see your kid get prepared to play. Uh, and he's starting to set goals. That way he can achieve those goals every day and try to be the best player he can. Those things give you the most gratifying feeling as a parent. How, how did you deal with failure? What, what did you tell the kids? What was your thing? Well, my thing was always this, and, you know, and I probably – you know, no, I, I think I'm right. I, I, I like what I've always committed to. And I've always told a kid, there's nothing wrong with emotion. I, I, I do want to see a kid got some emotion. He strike out. I don't want to see a helmet slam, but I, I should have got him. You know, I do want to see yeah. that. I want to see the emotion on that play. Because I know if that ball comes back to you, you're going to make that play. It's not going to be thrown in the stands. Uh, I want to see some emotion when a kid is playing the outfield and he don't throw that guy out. Coach, I got this, you know. And even when the game ends, they didn't win the starting pitcher. I want to see, you know, hey, he's not mad at the team. He doesn't have a problem with anything. He wants to sit by himself for a moment. He dissect that game for about 30 minutes. He might kick one garbage can and just say, shit, we should have won that game, you know. But that's it, and it's time to get ready for the next one. And to me, those guys are the guys that become all-stars. Did you – did you when you were driving home – with the boys and if there were, if they didn't perform well, was there, did you not talk to them on the way home? Did you allow, was there a, a strategy in your mind about talking after the game? Yeah, I actually, I did. I had one because I felt like there was times where, and, and, and strangely enough, you believe this, D's the oldest. He would just, if I got on him about anything, I saw him just lollygagging through and not going through the motions on and not doing something right. I got on about it. It, it could be two days before he talked to me. <laughs> With Nick, it was totally different. I can, uh, like I said, you got 30 minutes to kind of come home, get out, you know, get your, once you get out of the car, get leave those motions in check. He in 15 minutes was fine. He could lose a game, but he in 15 minutes was fine. He was ready for the next game. So what I would do is I wouldn't spend a whole lot of dwelling on what they didn't do well. Um, I just talked about how I thought that they could get better, and I wanted them to explain to me what could they have done to get better. Did you uh, have a place that you would take them to celebrate? Like, was there a, hey, let's go get a hamburger? Or, you know, was there stuff? Because that's a beautiful thing. As the parent, as dad, like, that's one of the beautiful things that you could share with, with your child, you know? My boys love milkshakes. They love milkshakes. So I was yeah. like, you know, always going to go somewhere fast food. But either way, uh, I, I think even with a bad game or a game that they didn't play well, if I can get them a milkshake and it just kind of calms them for me. And I, I think the milkshake made them feel like daddy wasn't uptight and we could talk about it. And now there's been plenty of cases where I probably talked a little bit longer than normal, but 
you know, I think I did well getting my point across to them. They 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 did a good job listening. They tried to work on those things that I, we both thought they should work on the next day, whether it be in the garage or I, I would always tell Nicholas because he could pitch still. He still had that on the pitch. I said, why don't you take a tennis ball and throw it into the pillow? So that way then you'll get prepared just in case things you play short stuff all game, but you also too want to keep that arm straight strength up. By that way then when it's time for you to pitch, Nothing's hurting you or bothering you. So that was we 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 worked. We talked about the moment that you know they best felt like was could have been a, a you know a game changing moment for them, uh, and what could they have done better or different from that. That's beautiful. There, there's there's I can tell what kind of how much pride that you have in being dad. You know, there's there's no greater gift, man. Right? There's no yeah, greater. You're absolutely right. There's no greater gift and being a uh, father to these kids and loving on them and seeing what they can do. And, and I told, I told them, I've told all my kids, honestly, you know, you don't have to play baseball. You can be great at other things. I still support you. I'm going to love on you and, yeah. and I'm going to help you in every way that I possibly can to give you the best information and find people that can help you become, uh, you know, whatever it is you want to become in life. Uh, you just so happen to be a lucky person to have a dad that plays in the major leagues. You get to see all these balls. But honestly, my kids, too, they all rebelled from baseball for a moment because I think they were around it so much. Right. Because they were probably the yard with you and the clubhouse running around. I mean, I mean, yeah, that's always were. been around it. You know, there's an expectation. But it's kind of cool how they both then gravitated back toward the game. It was. I mean, it's just been – so invigorating for me to actually get to go watch them practice, get ready. And, and I'm the one that still throw them batting practice each year. So oh, when wow. I throw batting practice, my arm feels good. I'm trying to break their bats and they, they're trying <laughs> to take me deep. And it's just a nice competition that goes with it, but they get ready. They really do. They get ready to get prepared to play. And that, that, that's what really excites me. I like seeing a guy or player that, can go to the ball field and his plan is to work hard. His plan is to condition well. His plan is to get the work in and get off the field with something positive. And they both do a really good job at that. What advice would you have for parents of a of, of true travel, you know, 10 year old, 11 year old, 12 year old, what would you tell the parents? Um, you know, what advice would you, would you, give them I, I would give parents the advice I give my sons is that stay hungry and stay humble your humbleness will always get someone that knows the game to come over and give you information to try to make you better and you take what you can from that you use what you can and try and make it and see if it works if it works great uh, when you're hungry you know that you're playing at that level of competition that's really good for you and it's not that you have to go four for four, but you want to have a good at bat every time you go up there and you want to know the plays, you want to make the plays and, and you want to be always in tune in the game, having a good, clear mind to understand what the game's going to need today to win. Uh, and, and, and those are the things that have always been re really important for me to tell my sons is that be always prepared to make that one play, one throw. And if I was on the mound pitching and I was getting beat, I was getting hit around, I mean, the game was, it's on the line. I need a play made. You're my sons. Would you want the ball hit to you to make a play for me? Because I know, I think me and you thinking the same thing. If your son was pitching, you would want that ball hit to you. I want him out this inning. 
See, that's how I yes. feel. That's why I asked yes. them that. Because I want to know, if, did, are you ready to make that play behind me? Especially if I'm scuffling. I, I love it. That's, that's beautiful, man. That is beautiful. Uh, lastly, uh, Perfect Game, um, at, which is an incredible organization. Uh, how, how would you, you know, recommend kids and, you know, looking up for different showcase and, you know, going through the country uh, and following around? Like, what, what would your uh, best, uh, you know, for a lot of youth ball players with Perfect Game, how would you, you, how would you utilize it? Well, I tell you, the best thing that kids can do today is go on the Internet and uh, look up some of these teams and programs. Get familiar with the players that's in your neighborhood and your community first. Uh, if they're playing in some of these perfect game showcases, you'll start seeing them come around walking with most perfect game hats and shirts and stuff on. And usually they've been to an event and they'll start giving you information about it because the events and showcases are phenomenal. It's the, it's the rock stage for the best rockers, the best singing groups for <laughs> Michael Jackson to be on. And I felt like every time I touched the mound in any major league field, uh, I was a huge star in regards to finishing the game. And that's a great feeling for so many people to trust me with that game at that time. But it takes a lot of things to happen, a lot of really good things. Teammates love you. You love the what you're doing. And you go about it the right way because your work and your preparation has always prepared you for this moment. I would want them to always understand how hard it is to go out there every single day and do the same work over and over and over and over and over again. But also at the end of the day, that work is going to propel you to a great baseball player, a great student, someone great in your community, and it's going to make you a champion. Flash Gordon, big leaguer, dad, uh, perfect game manager. Uh, you're fantastic, man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Man, I thank you so much, Greg. Thank you for the time and error that you have for me today on your show, man. I'm grateful to Anthony. I'm great to be here with you, man. Thank you. Hey, guys, here at Yo Kid Sports, for Brendan Petrilli and myself, Andy, Anthony Gargano, I just want to thank you for hanging on our channel. I, we love it, all right? We love doing this content. Just do us a solid and hit the subscribe button because the more people that we can reach, that we can amplify this thing, the better guests, the more content that we can produce. So do us a solid, hit the subscribe, tell your friends, your families, your coaches, get everybody subscribed because chances are here at Yo Kid Sports, we're going to be talking about your kid or your coach. It's a lot of fun. Hang with us.